0: So we're going to read God's word now. So if you'd all rise (laughs) on on page 1192 in your uh, pew Bibles in in front of you, we'll be reading uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses eight to 10 and then 13 through 16. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Then verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. for he has prepared a city for them. This is God's word. Please be seated. I'm uh, Justin Loy. Justin. So, Justin uh, comes to Westgate via a partnership consortium that we have with a, a number of uh, evangelical churches in the eastern part of the state. Uh, Justin and his wife Andra, and their three children are, are with us this morning, and uh, they are missionaries to the uh, to the Czech Republic. There's a profile actually provided in uh, this morning's uh, order of service bulletin, uh, where you can read a little bit more about them. And he's uh, coming this morning to uh, give the message on aliens and strangers, uh, based on the scripture uh, passage that was just read. So. Without any uh, additional delay, we we'll want to welcome Justin. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay?
0: Uh, it's great
1: to be back here at um, Westgate again. And I personally can attest to uh, the food at this church. Um, uh, I've been to many churches, and Westgate has the best food by far. <laughs> um, so I encourage you to go to that brunch today. Um, there's uh, two things I would like to say before, uh, before I start the rest of the sermon um, The preface the sermon on aliens and strangers. First thing, I'm a pilgrim, I'm a foreigner, I'm a traveler. I'm an alien, I'm a stranger, I'm a missionary. Second thing I'd like to say to you, said so I never wanted to be a missionary, but praise God, I praise God that I am. Um, growing up, I never wanted to be a missionary. Um, missionaries were too exotic. They'd come up here and tell you all these stories from foreign lands, and it was just a little too exotic for me. I wanted to live the normal life. The normal life meant, you know the house, the white picket fence, the nice family with the three children. It meant having a successful job at a at a successful company, and that's what I planned on doing. And you know, if you know me at all, I had it all planned. It was all set up for me. But as many of you know, life is not normal. That was my normal life. Life is not normal. Um, at the age of 19, uh, my world was kind of shot, was shaken up when my father passed away of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was at 19. I was just scratching the surface uh, of the wisdom that my father could give me. And I kind of missed out on that. My story is a story of something that God took that something bad and spun it into something good. One of the last things that uh, my father sanctioned before he passed away was a trip to Israel. It was a university trip. I was in university. And... So I went to Israel, and as many of you know, and I know some of you have traveled and been in different countries, you kind of get that bug. It's kind of like, I love being in a foreign country. You know, maybe for you it's something different. For me, it was riding camels in the desert, or meeting interesting people, or trying exotic foods. You kind of get a, it gets in your system. You need to kind of go back and do it again that 's what happened to me when I went to Israel, so I finished school, and by the way, I move around a lot, so um, I finished school, and uh, I had three options for me in the future number one, I, had a full tu- I, got, I received a full tuition scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh to study international relations. I had decided that I really wanted to get into the international realm at that point. That was option number one i'd never received anything full tuition ever in my life, and it was kind of a shock to me. Second thing is I had an interview in Washington, D.C., where I had been interning with a prominent individual at at an organization there. And I can remember to this day that interview. Let me just tell you, I was good. (laughs) I was really good. And I I can still sit there, I was relaxed. It is to this day the best interview I've uh, I've ever had. The third option is I received a letter from, the, from from some friends about the possibility of teaching English in the Czech Republic. The first option didn't work out. I was kind of burned out from school. You know, my father had passed away in the middle of university. I was just kind of burned out, so I decided yeah, I'll defer that. Many of you are probably thinking full tuition scholarship. You know, well I decided to to to, to not do that. Second is that interview, even, I didn't get the job. <laughs> um, and and I, I'm telling you, I was good that day. I, I was good. I was good. Um, so I decided the third option, I, I would take up the, the opportunity to get some experience in the Czech Republic as an English teacher. Now, one thing about this letter you need to understand is that it wasn't my job was supposed to be, I was the first American to live in this town. It was a town of about 10,000 up into a place that's kind of like New Hampshire. And my job was to become a presence in that town, to teach English to the community so that someday a Christian high school could come from, it, come from that foundation. So that was my job. and So I taught English for three years in the Czech Republic. Now, that's going to lead into kind of what I want to talk about today. Is that, essentially, I'm an expert on being an alien and stranger. It's because it's what I am. I'm a foreigner. So I want to give you kind of six lessons that I've kind of learned over time in the Czech Republic. And I'm also going to give you a little bit of what I do there also. The first lesson. Okay, okay. Foreigners stand out. Now, many of you, maybe in your travels, just, you know, especially as an American, we kind of go to a place and it's just like, they stand out. I remember my, I remember living in this community, and I told you, I'm the first American to live there. And um, I remember standing at the train station. And I'm standing there at the train station, and I'm wearing shorts, sandals, ball cap. Yeah, typical clothes that you would wear. And Everybody, and I looked around and there were people just staring at me. Now this is Europe, but like, all I could see is like these, these older grandmothers with a thought going through their mind saying, that, that boy there, he's gonna get a, he's gonna get sick. He's wearing sandals. Or shorts in April? Really? Or ball cap? What's a baseball? You know, I, 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 I could just picture that going through their minds. You stand out. Okay? You, wherever you go as a foreigner, you, you stand out. Number two. Foreigners crave things. They crave things. Maybe, maybe some of you have traveled. The typical American will crave peanut butter. Seriously. <laughs> you'll get Americans, you'll get like American missionaries around, it's like peanut butter. I'll put it on a piece of fish. I don't care. I love peanut butter. You get these cravings. My craving was nachos. No idea why. And, and I remember walking through the stores, and I could not find cheddar cheese for the first three months. This is back in 1998. And I'm looking around, and, I, and finally a new supermarket came, and I bought the cheese. And, and it was the best tasting thing ever. The chips were horrible, but, but it was wonderful. You have these cravings. You desire something that you just can't. It's far away. That's lesson number two. Lesson number three, I alluded this to this a little bit earlier, it's a big sense of adventure. You know, maybe it's you going to, I, I remember visiting a, uh, a, a family in Hungary and having fish soup, and I think the whole scales and stuff, so, you know, that was a little bit rough for me, something new and exciting. It could be... Um, uh, I remember the second weekend, knock at the door, students coming up who I barely knew, said, hey, you want to come with us to Slovenia to go paragliding? Okay. You know, remember I didn't like the exotic at first, but you start to like the adventure. And the adventure does something. And this is important to understand, and maybe we'll come back to this. It leaves you open to new things. It allows you to be open to the world around you. Living that adventurous life allows you to be open. We'll come back to that. It was about that time. I had been there for three, for two years, and I decided that um, I needed to get married. Um, I needed to find a woman. I hadn't dated anyone for a while, and um, I said, "Well, I'm going to come back to America and find 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 somebody." And um, <laughs> And so, and so all the other teachers were saying, well, there's some new teachers coming and They're like, Justin, Justin you're going to fall in love with that new teacher coming in. And famous last words, I said something stupid like, yeah, I'm a rock. It won't happen. I'm solid like a rock. So I'm not going to date anybody. First time she comes into the teacher retreat where the new teachers come. I'm sitting by a fire, looking into the fire. They're like, the new teacher's here. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. This girl comes in. I'm looking at the fire. I turn around. My first thought was, "Oh no." Um, and it was eight months later. We were engaged. A year later, we were married. I met my wife. So I met my wife. She's from Oklahoma. I had never been west of the Mississippi. She had never been east of the Mississippi. And we met in this small town, 10,000, in uh, Friedland, the name of the town. We married. We came back to uh, to America. Uh, for two, three years uh, to uh, raise support, to go back. Um, We decided this time to go to a different city, to go back once we went back. We went to the town of Brno, which is the second biggest city in the Czech Republic. It's there where I continue, I I, I was able to continue my education on what it means to be a foreigner. Remember, I already learned how to stay, I stood out all the time. I learned about the cravings. And the cool sense of adventure. The second time around, this time we had to study, this is in uh, 2004, we had to study um, the Czech language. As anyone has gone through language study, it's humiliating, incredibly humiliating. It's hum- it's humbling and humiliating to do that. And I, I remember one situation where Andra and I, my wife Andra, and and I were sitting there talking with a friend, Czech friend, and he's going on and on and on about his new CD. I'm like, okay, buddy, that's cool, but you're kind of going on and on and on about it. And, and, and so eventually I'm in the conversation, and I say, hey, hey uh, uh, Petr, what, what what's the name of the group? He kind of looked at me kind of funny. He's like, the name of the group? It's white leather. I'm like white leather. Must be one of those '80s bands or something. I, I don't know. White leather. I'm like that's all right. Whatever you like. And and then he and then I asked the question. So what type of music is that? He's like music. I bought a sofa. This whole time I'm thinking he bought a CD, and I messed up the word CD with the word sofa. It's humbling. Or the time I went to the cinema. I went to the cinema with my wife, and she wanted nachos. There's a theme here to the sermon. Um, she wanted nachos, and so in the Czech language, ch in, in English it's a ch, right? And in Czech it's ch. So I went up to the, I went up to the lady at the, at the at the to buy some nachos. I'm like, my wife would like some nachos. And the woman looks at me and is like, what? I'm like, nachos, nachos. And and, I keep going on and on. And I'm like, just she doesn't understand me. And I go, nachos. She's like, okay, I'll get that for you. (laughs) When When you go through language study, it is extremely humbling. I actually remember waking up one morning and thinking, seriously, it's very likely I'm going to be a fool today. Some, I'm gonna do something really stupid. And I, 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 that can be funny, but, but it's also something really heavy. That you can go in the whole day knowing that you're gonna be a fool, possibly. The other thing, uh, that was lesson number four. that's humbling to be a foreigner. Now, lesson number five is helplessness. You're helpless. Many times. Many times you are at the whims of bureaucracy, you're at the whims of Language, you're at the whims of the people around you. I remember going for our visa. Every, any missionary can tell you about the visa process. And I remember, you know, the visa process, you could, you'll stand all day just waiting to get an audience. And, you know, it, it's not easy. You go to the booth, and they purposely have it low so that you will humbly get down. Seriously. Seriously. There's glass there, thick glass, and they don't speak slowly. And they don't care if you don't understand. And So you're sitting there, you're like, yes, I'd like a, a visa. And you're stressed out, having spent the whole day just to get this one audience, and you don't know whether or not you're going to get it or not. Then you spend the, uh, up to, usually, this is how it happens, usually to the very last minute, to the last day, before you find out whether or not you can get it. And, and as, a, as, a, as a foreigner, that's really hard because what that means is either you are there or you're going home. And you're trying to put roots down. That is not an easy thing to do. You're helpless. It's a helpless feeling. It's heavy. And most people that have been in a foreign country can attest to that feeling. Um, I, I just want to mention in Burno, we had a baseball ministry. Many of you have been praying, have over the last few years, have been praying for some of our people from our baseball, from the, our, our previous baseball ministry. Um, I just want to thank Westgate for that. I know some of you may have gotten baseball cards that we had passed out five years ago and you've been praying for some of those people. I, I just wanted to make sure, a note, the thank you for doing that, um, we had three children in the, in the, in the Czech Republic. Um, Jonas is almost eight, Anna's five, and Evelyn two. Um, then something happened. We had always, Andra and I had always said to ourselves that we were going to give ourselves two terms, ten years, and then we reevaluate what we're going to do as missionaries. That conversation came about two years ago. And I remember being in the car. We just so happened to be going back to that town where we met, Friedland. To visit some friends, and we're in the car, and I said, Andra, there's three things I wanna do I wanna do. I wanna I had learned I wanted to teach. I want to teach, I want to stay in the Czech Republic, and I want to tell people about Jesus. That combination doesn't come around very easily sometimes. And my wife immediately had this picture in her head, she goes, Justin, I can see you as a high school teacher. I was like, What? High school teacher, really? No. Well, two hours later, we're in the house of our friends in this town, Friedland. And they said, well, that school, you know, remember that letter? That, that present, I was supposed to be in that town to help start a high school. Well, I had it had started. And they were just so happy to look for new teachers. Long story short, we, be, I became an English teacher at that high school. Now, I want to explain that high school. That's our new ministry. We, we changed ministries. We no longer do the baseball ministry in Brno. We moved our family back to the town that we had met in. Now, I want to explain to you what we do there. I teach at a fully functioning Czech high school, eight, uh, grades nine to twelve. It is a private school, but most of the funding comes from the state. Thus, we don't have—it's not like a, a rich, you know, uh, a private school that like you might think here. Um, it's a Christian school. We present the gospel. So it's check run. It's Christian. Here's the kick, though. This is the thing I love about this. 75% of our students don't believe in God. That's how they come in. 75% of our students, we're a Christian school. They come because they can get instruction, English instruction or German instruction from native speakers. I have two colleagues that are missionaries also. And so, so it's a wonderful opportunity. For four years, you get these students to present the gospel. Daily, I get the chance to present the gospel to these people, almost daily. Uh, my job as an English teacher, and also I'm in charge of student development, where we present, you know, it gives a chance to build a family atmosphere. And I just want to explain four things that we do there in order to present the gospel to them. Number one is that we have, part of our curriculum of our English classes is that we teach the Bible. Students will be taking the Bible, they'll be reading it out loud. It's cool watching a non-Christian read out loud from the Bible. They will have discussion questions that I prepare. And they'll learn English, as just along with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, we also have the Bible as part of our curriculum. We have prayer Mondays and Wednesdays. And worship on Fridays. And a lot of times, Christians and non-Christians will worship together. They come and they kind of get, they like to hear the music. And then once a month, we have a discussion time. Uh, second thing is we take trips. Uh, we send three students every year to Illinois to, for a college course where they get to stay with Christian families. We also send students, four students every year to Maine, at a Christian camp. They get to spend time at a Christian camp. And last year, I led a trip of 15 students, half believer, half non believer, to the Ukraine in order to tell them about, um, in order to serve gypsies, um, uh, orphans and the handicapped. And these students got to rub shoulders with. Other Christians, we've partnered with an international school, a Christian international school. And they got to worship and see prayer and see how God is working when Christians go and serve. Third thing we do is we have a, um, outreaches, evangelical outreaches. Uh, our, uh, our students lead an evangelical outreach called Catch It, where they invite their classmates and they share the gospel with them in a, this retreat setting. And finally, we have something called BMA Family, which I'm in charge of. And BMA Family is trying to develop a family atmosphere so that students can kind of feel comfortable when you develop real relationships. We had a Thanksgiving where my wife made ten pies. God bless her. It was, it was all these pies. She made ten pies for the, for the, we had 80 people of our 120 students come to it. And, we also had a time, we, a lot of our students wake up at 5.30 in the morning to get to 8 o'clock classes. They take the train in. And so one day, my colleague and I decided, as being a part of this family atmosphere, to take a 4.30 train to get to their train station to serve them breakfast. So you should just us. We're sitting there on this train station. We've got croissants and juice. My colleague had strawberries and cream. And we served it to them as they got onto the train. And we rode in with them. And that's what's important about the checks. And what we try to do. We try to develop genuine, real relationships. It is so crucial. And I suspect here in Boston, it's crucial for you too. Real, genuine relationships. I would like to just quickly, I'm going to give you a two-minute history lesson. Okay, so stay with me with this. I just wanted to explain the Czech people real quickly. In the Middle Ages, they were one of the first Protestant nations. Okay, They were famous for their honesty and their truth. A Polish person would say, are you honest like a Czech? The Pope at the time said, a Czech woman knows the Bible better than any Italian priest. John Huss, who's a hero of the, um, he was a martyr, is one of the Protestant heroes. Said this: seek the truth, hear the truth, learn the truth, speak the truth, hold the truth, and defend the truth until death. He was burnt at the stake. They loved truth. Unfortunately, they live in right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of Europe. And in the Middle Ages, it was conquered. They were conquered. War, repression conversion from Protestant to Catholic and back. And and what happened is that in regards to faith, they became a jaded nation. It didn't help any that the West betrayed them in 1938 and the Nazis took over, followed by communism and followed by Western materialism. So right now, they went from a nation that was this truth-loving nation To a jaded nation. And they ask themselves, why, and what's happened is that authority, any authority is bad. So they ask themselves the question, why should I trust in a God? And a God authority. Why should I do that? 63% of Czechs say they're atheist. It's one of the highest in Europe, if not the world. It's a very secular nation, they're proud of it. They won't believe anything unless they're 100% sure it's the truth. So, the way to reach them, one of the ways to reach them is genuine, real relationships. And this leads me into my final lesson that I want to share with you about the life of a foreigner. I would like to read one more time, if, if, if I may, Hebrews 11, 8-10, 13-16. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Listen. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Listen again. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking about of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. This passage in Hebrews 11 is sometimes called God's Hall of Fame. It talks about all the heroes of the Bible. I encourage you this week. There's a reason to look at this. There's a reason why most, pretty much all, most heroes in the Bible spent time in a foreign country. Look it. Look it up. Moses, Abraham, David, Jesus, Peter, Paul. Someone says, Well, what about Samuel? Well, Samuel lived at the temple. He didn't live at home. They lived in foreign places. They underst they understood something. They were foreigners. They understood. If there's if you don't remember anything from this Sermon. Remember this: They understood that Earth is not their home. It allows you to do. That's the lesson. That's the sixth lesson of a foreigner. This Earth is not your home. There's two things that you that come out of that. One, when it's not your home, you have to trust God. You're helpless. Remember the visa stuff. You're helpless. You need to trust God. If you don't, you might not make it. You're, you're caught. Two, it frees you up to love others unconditionally. You can do that. That's what it means to know that your home is not here. And I'm telling you, your home is not here. If you're a follower of Christ, your home is not here. The earth is temporary. It allows us to up. If, you build, if you're trying to build your kingdom or your house or your home on earth, it restricts you. You're concerned about what you're doing right now. You're building your own little kingdom here on earth. You don't have time. You're restricted. You cannot step out. You can't. If you're concentrated on what you're doing and building your own little city, little kingdom here on earth, you cannot. It's really hard to go out. It's restrictive. You know, with Andra and I, being a foreigner allows us to do two big things at our mission. And I suspect it's going to be the, it would be the same for you in some ways. One, being a foreigner allows us to initiate into the lives of non-believers. They want to know about us. In your workplace, it might be the same thing. You stand out. You long for someplace different. People want to see that. And they are going to be open to listening to what you have to say. Boston area is not that much different than the Czech Republic when it comes to the difficulty about talking to people that they don't know anything about God. So you can initiate into their lives. They want to know about you. You stand out. It allows us also to encourage believers freely. People in your church You can encourage them and say, hey, come on, let's do it. I'm a foreigner. I'm telling you, you're foreigners too on this earth. Let's go out. You can initiate into the lives of non-believers. You can encourage your fellow brother and sister. I want to encourage you guys. Embrace the concept of an alien stranger. Embrace it. It's your reality if you're a follower of Christ. Embrace it. Whether you're a lawyer, a plumber, whether you're in Nicaragua, or like my sister-in-law works at Daybreak, or whether you go to the Czech Republic or Haiti. I know many of you go to Haiti. Well, no matter what it is, you do. You're called to be an alien and stranger. Remember the lessons standing out, desiring for something far away. To be adventurous, to be open to things, humility, helplessness, and understanding that Earth is not your home. Those are the six lessons that I have learned being a foreigner. And just because I live in a foreign country doesn't mean I'm a foreigner, but you're a foreigner just as much if you're a follower of Christ. So, you, so again, embrace that concept. And you can, I believe that you can really impact your communities, your families, the society you're living in, and in the world. Thank you very much.